0: Hello and welcome to The Stack. Today I spoke in the studio with the team behind the redesign of Huck magazine, plus a cool new non-fiction literary publication from Portugal. It's called Mamute. And talking about new publications, we also have Bibliotec, a biannual focusing on the world of libraries, archives, special or rare books. Enjoy the show. From Idori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Coming up on the show, two new literary titles, Mamuch and Bibliothèque. But first on the show, let's talk about Huck Magazine. The title is celebrating its 75th edition with a redesign. The title is bigger and bolder now. For the new issue, they have a trilogy of cover stars, young British upstarts, MP Zara Sultana, author Gabriel Cross and saxophone supremo Nubia Garcia. To tell me more about the new Huck, I spoke to the title's editor, Nio Flynn, and its art director, Fabrizio Festa. Let's talk about the new Huck magazine. I mean, it's fantastic celebrating its 75th edition as well. Some changes in design, which I want to talk to Fabrizio about. But now, as the as the editor, how how tell me more about those changes? I mean, was it just design, or there was something about the content as well that you guys wanted to change?
1: Yeah, it was it was it was certainly both, and I think the decision sort of came as a result of kind of dual milestone for us. Um, this year, we celebrate our fifteenth year since since Huck was launched. And it also marks our 75th issue, which are two kind of significant um, events in, in the Huck uh, lifespan, I guess. Um, so we saw that as an opportunity to, to to kind of take stock and kind of think about sort of who we were, what we were doing, where we were going. And that was made all the more pertinent sort of as a result of, being inside for the best part of a year, well, longer than a year. Um, so we sort of, Fabs and I and the rest of the wider team, we sat down and we really just used it as an opportunity to to reflect, I guess, and kind of build on all the amazing stuff that we'd done in the past. Um, and we can talk about the history of Huck, I guess, in more detail a little bit later on. But also, I guess, sort of forge a new path, um, editorially and visually. And yeah, that's kind of sort of the, the journey um, that we kind of undertook together, um, which led to... The creation of the magazine that you're currently holding in your hands, and I think it looks uh, very beautiful. And I want to change some about the, uh, a little
0: bit about the design. I think Herc always had a, a great design, but now it just feels to me that it's kind of bigger and and bolder, you know, <laughs> all this kind of superlatives in a way. Would you say so, Fabrizio?
2: Yeah, this this was actually the words that we used most. We're like, we want to do it bigger and bolder. So from this issue we are going biannually, so we're going to just have like two issues per year and so we decided to uh, find a way to make it more like durable so we we wanted to be more like a coffee table almost so we decided to make it like bigger bigger format more pagination and um, yeah so to allow more stories uh, a bit more variety of stories, but also to really champion the photography, which has been something that's always been, like, very important in Huck. But I think in the last few issues, we slightly changed the way we approach photography. We now tend to have, like, less less photos, but bigger. And we, we spend a lot of time going through selection to, to edits from the photographer and picking the one that will work better big. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why we decided to go to go bigger. But also, like as I was saying, it's like slight bit slight change of pace, also in terms of like stories that we select uh, and destruction. Again, that's something that Nile can speak more in depth about, but uh, yeah, bigger and bolder in every sense we could think of
0: in in terms of the stories, I mean, you mentioned uh, Nile, about the the history of Huck magazine. I think it started very much for kind of. The surf and skate community, perhaps a little bit niche, but today it feels there's a broad spectrum there of topics covered uh, in the title. So, in that sense, it, it did change a little bit.
1: Yeah, so Huck was launched in two thousand and six by a, a sort of group of journalists who felt um, that action sports media was perhaps a, a little bit surface level, perhaps a little bit derivative, and they wanted to go deeper into the culture that kind of made up surfing, skateboarding, but also snowboarding as well. And and that was how Huck was launched, I guess, to kind of go deeper into these worlds and to explore the culture that surrounded them and made them up. And over the years, I guess, as as, as the magazine sort of progressed and evolved and different members of staff came on board and, and older ones left. Huck kind of grew into, into a magazine that was using, I guess, the core attitudes that made up, you know, these worlds, surf and skate and snow. And by that, I mean, you know, rebellion, independence, um, self-expression. They took those attitudes um, and used them as launch pads to explore culture, I guess, more generally, um, so that became, you know, a space for DIY photography. It became a space for independent music. It became a space for activism and, and on the ground organising in a political sense. And, and I guess when we reached kind of issue 75, um, we looked back and saw how, how this evolution had kind of taken place, you know, over these years. Um, and what we wanted to do was almost, I guess, reinforce, you know, those attitudes that were there at the beginning and kind of underpinned everything that we do, which is to say, again, independence, self-expression, DIY culture, and apply that to, I guess, three core beats. Those core beats being culture, politics, slash activism, and sport and outdoors culture, um, which was obviously fundamental to who we were at the beginning. So I guess issue 75 is, is, is an example of us taking a step back, saying, this is who we are, it's who we've always been, but these are the kind of three core beats, the core pillars that we're going to apply it to, and that's how we landed sort of where we are. And by the way, I do love
0: all the covers. There are three different covers as well. And, and I think the covers reflect those changes at Huck. I mean, the one we have here with the MP Zara Sutana, again, lo- lovely colour as well, Fabrizio, I have to say. Which colour is this? How, which colour would you say? For me, it's blue, but I'm yeah, completely it's, daltonic, So
2: <laughs> It's a blue <laughs> metallic panton yeah, we wanted to give it a slightly, slightly shimmery vibe so make it feel like almost like precious object. and yeah the 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 selection of like ah uh, people to go on the cover uh, was quite fun and was quite like um in a way liberating for us because uh, we've always like either had like beautiful photography or usually both. but like beautiful photography or like uh, um known people on the cover. And usually the pro- the process was like that. We put together the issue and then we find what's the strongest uh, um, the strongest shot in the issue to put as a cover. Well, this time we almost went backwards and we started like we started from the cover. We started, what what are the people we're going to have on the cover? And also we treated them as like a triptych. So they're all shot by the same photographer, Dan Wilton, amazing photographer. And um, with the same, like, they look they look similar, even if they were shot different days, etc. But they have like the same the same vibe. And um, this is like the what um, I was saying about like what what is ACK about. And we have like a person that's of course is Zara, which is more about like activism and politics. Then we have Gabriel, which is more culture, and uh, Nabaya Garcia, which is well, she's not outdoors, but she's like she's still like music and like. Um, still independent culture. And um, yeah, we treated them as like a triptych. Uh, and uh, the the title that we gave is like the reestablishment, which is both new establishment, but also like the reestablishment establishment of Huck itself.
0: And it's interesting, again, we're talking about becoming bigger and, and bolder as well. And would you guys agree with me as well? Because that's what I noticed on the stack. I mean, the pandemic was devastating for everyone. Some magazines, they struggled, you know, you know, but but at the same time, I think people, especially staying at home, they wanted to have the physical product. And I guess now with Huck, it's an even prettier kind of physical product, if you know what I mean. I know you guys have an online presence as well, but is that how was the relationship with your reader uh, during this kind of difficult period during the pandemic?
1: I th- I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there. Um, although it's been an incredibly trying time for, for print publications and all kind of media sort of full stop, but particularly print media, you know, I think given the past year, you know, you're right, people have been stuck inside, people have been, I guess, not quite as stimulated as they were before, just due to sort of, you know, the the kind of nature of isolation. We We felt that, A, you know, we were incredibly fortunate to still be doing this after 75 issues given the landscape. So, B, let's lean into it. You know, let's really, really, really hammer down on the fact that this is a beautiful permanent object that's going to sit on coffee tables on bookshelves on bedside tables etc etc for a long time we want it to be permanent we don't want it to feel fleeting or or disposable not to say that it ever did but we want to take every kind of decision with with that kind of end goal in mind that this is going to stick around for a long time we're biannual now so we're less beholden to the news cycle we're less beholden to the promotional cycle when looking at culture um, you know let's really lean back from any kind of sort of cyclical thinking and allow this to kind of sit outside of that and sit there for a long time so, yeah, that was that was definitely at the forefront of our thinking and we, we wanted the reader to feel that this was something that they could keep returning to, you know. They weren't going to just read it sort of front to back and put it down or, you know, even worse, discard it. You know, this is something that we want people to keep, continue getting things out of and that was very much kind of at the forefront of our minds when we were commissioning the stories that were going to sit in there.
2: If I can add something, of course, we kind of wanted to give... Uh, I don't think escapism is the right word, but kind of like... A a different pace so being so big and being like so the, the the design was like made keeping in mind some sort of like a giving like a bit of like relax relaxed time relaxed experience because we've been all being in front of the computer all the time a million calls and like everything's going through a screen and uh as we know screen is rarely like a relaxing experience we wanted to to kind of like find create this space, create, like, the magazine as a space where people can go and have, like, some time off, everything else, while still not be, like, completely escapism in terms of, like, thinking about, I don't know, fairy, fairies, uh, but still having, like, some, some stimulation, but in, like, a more relaxed and a bit more, like, considered way. That
0: was Niall Flynn there and Fabrizio Festa from Huck Magazine. Issue 75 is out now. And now we head to Portugal. For the current Monaco issue, we'll report on how Lisbon's media scene is booming. And as part of this, some new publications are coming out of this as well, such as Mamuch, a new literary title for non-fiction stories with long-form autobiographical stories. With its sharp design, it's certainly a nice addition to the Portuguese magazine market. I spoke to the title's editor, Gonçalo Mira.
3: Actually, the the title has no concept behind it. I had an idea for a magazine like five years ago, and uh, I gathered with uh, a few friends. We made the plan for the magazine, all its contents, and uh, everyone came with uh, name suggestions. Uh, We voted on these suggestions, and uh, the winner was Mamut which is uh, Portuguese for Mammoth, the prehistoric animal. And we, we, we contacted the designer. We had the, the logo made and the typography chosen. But that magazine never never came to life. It never existed. And uh, recently, last year, when I, when I started planning this new magazine, I thought, well, I have this logo, this lettering chosen, this designer contact. Maybe I'll just use what I have and and uh, and start with some work already done. And that's why the magazine is called Mamut.
0: And one thing I love about uh, Mamut as well is the is the is the format. I mean, it's very small but very beautiful. It's very collectible. Uh, I would say
3: as well. Yes, yes, we, I, I'm, my background is, uh, is almost always working with books and uh, book edition and publishing. Uh, so when I chose the, the format for this magazine, I went with a kind of a, a pocket-sized book, a paperback, which is not a very popular format in Portugal, but it's been very well received. Uh, and we wanted to, to make it, yes, with this uh, exquisite look without going uh, too further because our, our budget is not very big, but we wanted to have something special in which the, the object itself is, is also desirable.
0: I know uh, I have here uh, the first and the second issue in front of me. I know that the first issue already has been quite a success. Uh, so you started very well in a way. So clearly there was a market that wanted to read a magazine like this, especially in Portugal. I think I read somewhere that, you know, some countries like the United States or the countries they have a lot of kind of uh, those kind of literary titles, you know, a lot of important journalists start their career there. And in, in Portugal, do you have this tradition or do you think this is something fairly new in the market?
3: Uh, it's uh, because it's a, a small country and even smaller reading population, it's it's obviously a very a very small reality. Uh, there are some magazines, but these more independent magazines like like mine, they tend to be focused on poetry and fiction, uh, short fiction. And my magazine is, uh, is uh, no fiction, uh, memoirs, autobiographical essays. And uh, there was nothing like it in Portugal. And I think uh, the success of the, the first number and the second also is because of this, because it's, it's something new in Portugal, uh, because there's no tradition of, uh, of uh, a long-form memoir in Portugal. And I think, yes, the the, the public, the readers were eager for something like this, even if they didn't know they were.
0: (laughs) And I love the variety of topics as well. There's one uh, piece that was really special to me as well, by Mariana Rezende Pinto, Sotaki. But again, very different from the other one, by Carolina Ferreira Batista. So I love that there's quite a big difference in the stories as well. So I think you curated quite well you know the, the the people that wrote for the time. Yes,
3: I I have some some of the authors are people I've known from from other from other circumstances and literary movements, but some are are also people who submitted through our website, and yes, because I have a, a lot of submissions already, and I've invited also a lot of authors. I can uh, do this uh, kind of mixtape feel in which I don't choose very similar pieces, so I can have some variety in every number. Instead of going for a more traditional way, traditional route would be having a theme for for every issue. I prefer to to have no theme and to to have this mixture of of uh, of very different subjects to also to, to provoke the reader in a good way. And I think that's also part of our success.
0: You know what? I agree with you. I think sometimes it's nice to avoid a theme because then people get surprised, you know, because sometimes you might choose a theme and people perhaps they're not so in touch with that particular theme. Uh, Gonçalo, tell me, if someone is interested in reading MAMUCHI perhaps to buy the title or practice their Portuguese, why not, <laughs> where can they go?
3: Uh, here in Portugal, it's on sale in, in independent bookstores, but we, we can ship it everywhere in the world. You just have to go to our website, which is mamut.pt. The website is in Portuguese, but we, we ship it everywhere.
0: There was Gonçalo Mira there. For more information on Mamute, go to revistamamute.pt. R-E-V-I-S-T-A-M-A-M-U-T-E. <music> and finally on the show, another new title, this time based in Madrid. A new biannual magazine called Bibliotheque, which focuses on the world of libraries, archives, special or rare books, and photography. It is published by Paripe Books and edited by Patricio Binaghi. For the first issue, Patricio gathered an incredible selection of contributors Bruce Weber, James Ivory, Mariana Enriquez, among others. Here is Patricio with more.
4: For a while, I had the idea that Paripe Books, my publishing house, should have it uh, on magazine, no? Uh, We believe it would be interesting that Paripe's main themes, photography, illustration, archives, and recently, Ibero-American Narrative would publish, uh, in addition to our books, uh, in a magazine instead uh, of a blog, no? A blog now. (laughs) Uh, It was also a way to give a space to writers and artists who for different reasons we could not publish in book format but we could uh, include uh, in in the magazine
0: and as i was as i was saying i mean the amazing selection of contributors you had is fantastic you have names like you know bruce weber and it's a really i mean i can see that you have a, a long list of contacts as well
4: yes i can give you the info, but we are part of a secret society. <laughs> now, uh, I'm lucky to have the possibility of working with many artists and writers uh, who were very happy to participate uh, in Biblioteque. The first one was Juan you Now, Juan Gatti is one of the most important graphic designers from the world. He designed uh, our logo. He was the art director from Bob Italia in the 90s and, and well known for designing the graphics from Pedro Almodóvar films, for example. With other people like Bruce Weber or Eileen Miles, I already have had previous work relations uh, or, no, say, James Ivory. I reached uh, James uh, through some friends and others. Uh, artists or writers, I contact directly. Mariana Enriquez or Camila sosa Vichada, that are two of the most important Latin American authors with uh, interesting international projection, I contact directly.
3: And
0: Patricio, tell us a bit more, uh, cause you are originally a publisher, right? So, so tell us a bit more, which kind of books do you publish and tell me more about your connection, you know, with yeah. the book industry in general.
4: I, I, it's it's very strange, but um, before Paripé, uh, I was close to the publishing world, but externally, no. Uh, I I was producer from fashion campaigns for brands like Loewe or Zara, and I love uh, going to printers and seeing how the printing process work. For example, for a catalog, I guess uh, it was then that I start falling in love with the publishing industry. (laughs) And I have always been a great book lover all of my life. Since I was very young, when I went to someone's house, I would go through their bookshelves to see what they have. Many times, I was surprised.
0: (laughs) No, I can see, I follow, you know, on social media, you have, I can see your passion. Uh, your beautiful photography as well. And the, the launch of Biblioteca has been a success already. I mean, the magazine has just been launched, but it's selling very well. So hopefully our, our stack listeners will be able to buy the copies somewhere. Uh, are, are, are you selling the title online or or you have some yes. shops as well?
4: We printed uh, only 500 copies, you know, and the magazine is sold exclusively uh, through pay Books' uh, website. Uh, Starting from our second issue, we will introduce the possibility of subscribing to the magazine, but our website and eShop work very well and we ship worldwide. And This is a a very (laughs) nice news from the customers. The first issue doesn't have any advertising, but uh, we are talking with some brands to advertise in our next issue and i think
0: yes yeah, step by step but i think they should because as i said the magazine is, is visually very beautiful as well mm-hmm. and even though it's in spanish but i feel i feel it's quite a a worldly magazine you know there's some some pieces in english as well there's it's kind of it's very playful in that way
4: yes yeah, it's, it's it's very strange but all the magazine or the thematic magazine are all in english and i will like that the bibliotech has uh, the, the text in the original uh, version. If a writer writes the text in English, that text stay at the magazine in English or in Spanish, the same. I think that Spanish is a very interesting language and it's a very nice to have language in, in the magazine. I, I'm very, very happy to, to that decision. And I, I think that uh, is uh, a good point for for make the difference with another publications. I agree, I mean, Spanish is a beautiful
0: language as well. And <laughs> one of my favorite kind of, I love that kind of, uh, there's a selection of pictures about ice cream and books. I thought yeah. it was so fun. I mean, that's such a beautiful, I love that.
4: This is a, a boy that I met at, uh Instagram and I send you um a private message and and we begin to store in contact and it's very interesting the point that a person makes books or visual books with industry uh, desserts or ice creams no it's, it's, a, it's a really strange combination and that's things that uh, that I would like uh, to, to find more in uh, the s- social networks, no? uh, to find these special things for books, but not the, the typical Instagram for, I don't know, for thematics books. On. This is a very interesting point. No?
0: That was Patricio Binaghi from Bibliotech. For more information, go to partypebooks.com. That's it for this week's show. My thanks, as always, to our editor, Nora Hall. And if you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fbmonaco.com. And, and remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time. And, of course, you can always listen to it again at monaco.com or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. And before we go, a little song for you, Salt City Orchestra, the book. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from
3: me.